Little orphan Annies come to our house to stay and wash the cups and saucers and brush the crumbs away and shoo the chickens off the porch and dust the hearth and sweep and make the fire and break the bread and earn her board and keep. And all us other children, when the supper things is done, we set around the kitchen fire and has the mostest fun a listening to the witches' tales that Annie tells about. And the goblins will get you if you don't watch out. Once there was a little boy who wouldn't say his prayers. So when he went to bed at night, away upstairs, his mommy heard him holler and his daddy heard him bawl. And when they turned the covers down, he wasn't there at all. They seeked him in the rafter room and cubby hole and press and seeked him up the chimney flue and everywhere, I guess. But all they ever found was just his pants and roundabout. And the goblins will get you if you don't watch out. We all learn these rhymes and stories as children. If you're bad, they'll come for you. We assume these are empty threats, child's play to encourage good behavior. But once upon a time, they weren't. There was a time when it was wise to fear the fairy folk and obey their laws, when children were to be seen and not heard, and different was dangerous. Dangerous enough to get you killed. Are you a witch, or are you a fairy, or are you the wife of Michael Clary? I'm Holly. I'm Leslie. And we would be dead. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Happy St. Patrick's Day to you, too. <laughs> Good job saying that. Thank you. We failed real hard at it right yeah. before we started. <laughs> but we did it again for you. So we're excited to bring you some like fun thematic stories this yeah. week. Mm-hmm. Good Irish times. Um, but before we start, we just have like a little bit of business to take care of. All the business. Yes, so much business. Uh, first of all, if I cough, I do not have the coronavirus. So she says. I have a cold. That's what my doctor said. I am she not. She came back from a cruise. <laughs> <laughs> I do not have it. I promise. The doctor said it's just a cold. But I also was sick this past week, which and is not corona as well. You have a friend that was in Italy. I do so have a friend whatever. that was in Italy. <laughs> and I had to go to like a Philadelphia flower show for a couple of days. If you're so. going to throw me under the cruise ship, I'm going to throw you yeah. under it too. Sorry, but I got checked. It's okay. They gave me a mask and everything. Oh, yeah. Well, we're both safe. And if we're not, we're the only ones in this room. So it's yeah, fine. So. You guys are safe. <laughs> so let's do some shout outs before we start. First, we finally heard from Heidi from Book Club. Heidi from Book Club, Yay! what is up? Thank you so much for finally commenting. She gave us a lovely review and has been interacting. We love you, Heidi from Book Club. Yes, thank you. Biggest fan. Such a good fan. <laughs> we have a couple really good ones out there. Second, um, thank you for the review to Nikki and Abby. They sent us a really nice review. 
We love them too. Yes, thank you, Nikki and Abby. They mentioned that we were very respectful, which I love to hear. Yeah, we really try to. I'm always worried about that, so that Same. was nice to hear from them. Yes. I guess we'll see how we continue to do. We're only <laughs> six in now. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe um, we'll get yeah. real disrespectful. We will. You let us know. You keep us on our, you know, keep checking on us. That's right. Oh, and one more. We have another another from Rachel C. Coming in hot. Ooh, coming in hot this week. Second review. <laughs> That's right, guys. If you want to hear your name more, you got to leave more reviews. Yeah. So, Rachel C. Thank yes, you. We Thanks, love you, girl. Rachel C. Keep going. Uh, and if you guys like what you hear, please leave us some five-star reviews and spread the word to your friends. The more reviews we get, the better it looks for us, the more people hear us, and the more content we can bring you. Yes, spread it like the coronavirus. Not like that. <laughs> okay, just kidding. Sorry. <laughs> that was a good one, though. Thank you. <laughs> we also want to thank everyone in our Facebook group, which is my favorite place right now. Oh, the fan art is oh my so God. amazing. <laughs> it is my favorite thing in the whole world. You guys are so much fun to talk to and laugh with. We actually text about the Facebook group all the time. All the time. You're always on our minds. And you've given us some really good ideas for things that are coming up. Yep. So keep those coming. And we promise there is merchandise coming to you in the future. Mm-hmm. The fan art is phenomenal, as we mentioned. <laughs> please, please keep making artwork. Please, please. Everybody make us artwork. It makes our day so much better. It gets me through my work day. <laughs> it sure does. And uh, we'll do our part to keep trying to say some catchy things that yeah. you can be I inspired by. I think that just by. naturally happens. I think it does. <laughs> so to make sure we label them. Yes. Um, okay. So I guess it's down to business now. Yeah. What are we talking about today? Well, today we are going to Ireland. <gasps> Ooh. Yay. Because it's St. Patrick's Day. Avi. We're two for two on like releasing on holidays. Do you know why Ireland is my favorite country? Why? You got real serious. Because there are no snakes. (laughs) (laughs) Leslie hates snakes so much. I don't hate them. Yes, you do hate them. I despise them. Okay. (laughs) And she's a Slytherin. I am. So am I, but like that's appropriate. I'm pretty sure I speak parcel tongue. <laughs> I think you spoke parcel tongue before we began. I did, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. Oh, oh, oh. And no, uh, guys, don't forget when we finish our main story to stay tuned because we have a little special St. Patrick's Day treat from Leslie today. Yeah, I have a little lesson for you guys, so yeah. just stay tuned. Okay. So it's St. Patrick's Day, and so we're going to talk about changelings fairies, and Bridget Clary, the fairy wife of Tipperary. All right. I said that all. You did. I'm so excited. And this way you can tell how to properly pronounce Clary because it's meant to rhyme. The whole thing is meant to rhyme. It's spelled Cleary, but it's Clary. Because she's Irish. Yes, she's Irish. (laughs) You just want me to do the Irish accent. It'll come out at some point, probably. Today we're going to use a format that I want to call a story sandwich. It's fun, right? Yeah. (laughs) Very delicious. And I, because I think this is the most effective way to get all our folklore out and this story. It'll make it easy to understand and we'll cover all of the spooky info and honor Bridget Clary's story. Sound good? Sounds great. Perfect. Let's begin with Bridget herself. Bridget Clary was born Bridget Boland in 1869. Looks like a four. It's not. It's a nine. To her father, Patrick, and her mother, Mrs. Boland. That makes sense. I was respectful for you this time. Thank you. I've had little to no luck with wife names in my research. They're just, and wife, (laughs) which speaks to the historically poor treatment of women. But that is another topic for another day. 
One source actually claims that her mother's name was just, quote, also Bridget. Oh. That's not right. No. Come on. That's, it's only in one place, and I just feel like that's kind of lazy journalism, but no judgment. <laughs> that sounded like judgment. Not, I didn't mean that as judgment. <laughs> I meant you just, that's what you found out. Don't sue me. Dr. Phil or Giada <laughs> or the source that I didn't name. <laughs> By all accounts, Bridget was the only child of Patrick and Mrs. Bolin, which is an uncommon feat for an Irish family in the mid-1800s. Irish Catholics were spitting out kids like crazy, and they just had the one. So keep that in mind, because that fact kind of comes back later. The Bolins were all born and raised in County Tipperary, specifically the town of Balivadlea. I think I said that right. Balivadlea. Sure. It's the best I can do. All our Irish listeners can correct let us me know. and and shame me if you need to. It's fine. I did try. There is no pronunciation guide on that town, so tell Ireland to get on it. Yeah. County Tipperary is the number one location for horse breeding in the whole world. Breed a lot of horses there. And is the subject of the song, It's a Long Way to Tipperary. It's a long way to Tipperary. You look at me like I'm nuts, but it's a song. Which was made famous as a marching song for the British Army in World War I. Oh, that song. Don't you remember? Yeah. When mm-hmm. you were marching in World War I? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, Balivadlea was an extremely small village consisting of only nine homes and 31 residents. That sounds wonderful. It's very, yeah. In a beautiful green hillside where there's just horses. I love it. I know, right? It's nice. I'm here for it. We love it. Let's visit it. Let's put it on the list. All right. Patrick Boland was a farm laborer, and therefore he was provided with a house. Just, that's, if you had that job, you got a house. Well, damn. I know, right? Which is pretty nice because not many jobs just come with a job, like with a house. None of them do now, really, and they didn't then either. So this was like a very fortunate thing. They were seen as very lucky for being able to have a home. A home they didn't have to pay for, I should say. As an only child, Bridget was afforded many opportunities that other girls of her time simply weren't given. The Bolins wanted to give Bridget... Um, the most opportunities to be successful and secure in her life. So they made sure she was educated by local nuns. That sounds delightful. Yeah. Mm. Simply being able to read and write probably was seen as a luxury in that tiny village in the time. And when Bridget was 14, she was sent to Clonmel, the closest major town, where she apprenticed, which we discussed in the Bell Witch episode, what apprenticeship was. So go listen to that if you don't know. She apprenticed with a dressmaker for four years. Bridget was a keen dresser and a gifted seamstress. And with the money from her apprenticeship, she was able to buy herself a Singer sewing machine and was on her way to quite a successful future wherein she would be able to make a living and support her aging parents. So she's doing good. Yeah, sounds great. Yeah. Bridget was beautiful, successful, witty, educated, and highly sought after. A lot of people talked about how pretty she was and how engaging she was to talk to. So Mm. she was a real catch, which is why... Bridget's choice to marry Michael Clary, so much rhyming, (laughs) at just 18 years old seemed kind of unusual to the people she knew and to her family. First, Michael Clary was nine years her senior, which like, it's just all over the place right now for us. And he was a local Cooper, which also comes back from the Bell Witch (laughs) episode. Um, If you listened to that one, you know that a Cooper is a barrel maker. Mm -hmm. Possibly Bradley Cooper. Possibly Bradley Cooper. Those Coopers made sexy barrels. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> However, Michael Clary was not a very successful barrel maker. 
he uh, was known to be sullen and quiet. And um, he couldn't afford a home of his own. So he was, he was not nearly as much of a catch as Bridget was. So kind of, people were kind of scratching their head as to why they got married. After they did get married, they moved in with her father, Patrick. Sometime during her apprenticeship, Bridget's mother seems to have passed away. There's no dates on her mom, unfortunately, but it's just like... Well, she didn't matter. So. Uh, that's what it seems like, because at one point there's a Mrs. Boland, and then the next, there just simply wasn't. Yeah. So um, once they get married, it's just Bridget, Michael, and Patrick. They would have lived in a relatively isolated, pastoral-type existence. But Bridget didn't want any part of that. She brought herself um, a coop and a flock of chickens. Okay. Yep. And fired up her sewing machine and would trek to neighboring villages and sell eggs and dresses. Great. Yeah. So she's like total boss. She got shit done. She was a hustler. Yes. We have a lot of respect for Bridget. I think we have a lot in common with her. Yeah. She got shit done. Because of her personality and intelligence and entrepreneurial spirit, that word is a killer, and I have it like three <laughs> times. Uh, she was extremely well-known. She also made all of her own dresses, and she made them in the height of fashion. So she would have just drawn eyes every room she was in because you're living in like a peasant town in Ireland where there's like nine houses. Not a lot of high fashion going mm. on. So she was really a spectacle when you saw her. And this is a time and place where women were modest, quiet, pious, seen and not heard, wives and mothers. And Bridget was the opposite of that. She really stood out. In her eight years of marriage to Michael, the two failed to produce a single child. So I feel like infertility was an issue in the, in the Bullen family because her mom only had her. Oh, yeah, that would make sense. Mm-hmm. So I think that was like a thing. Bridget was the breadwinner of the household. And Michael could not afford to support them. And people like to talk. Married life had turned out to be nothing like Michael expected. There were rumors that Bridget was cheating on him. And I really suspect this just because she talked to so many different people. I don't think there was another man. Yeah. No, she's too busy. You're right. She is too busy. She has no kids. She's hustling. All good. So the rumors were that she was cheating on him. Michael felt emasculated by the fact that he couldn't support his family. He couldn't even get Bridget pregnant. People were not treating him great for all of this. And he also didn't like that she wore flashy dresses or that she was away from the home a lot or that she managed her own money. The Bull and Clary household had become a very tense place. On Monday, March 4th, 1895, Bridget left her home to deliver eggs to her father's cousin, John Dune, who comes back in later, in a neighboring village, which was about five miles away. So it was a walk, but not like impossible. It is said that the village she visited was built near a ring fort, which would have been the iron circular remains of a medieval fort. Okay. So it would just be in the ground like a big iron ring, but what it really, they, they didn't know what it was because you know, they wouldn't then, but we know now it was like a medieval fortress that had crumbled and that's all that was left over. But in those times, they would say that those were fairy forts. Mm-hmm. So they believed that was a gathering place of the fairy folk. Don't worry, we're going to get back to the fairies. And Bridget was said to be fascinated with the fairy fort. So after delivering her eggs, she was said to have, like, lingered around the edge of the village and walked over to the fairy fort and, like, kind of spent time there looking at it and, like, something you and I would do. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> she something wanted to I see have it, done. Right? She wanted to see it. She hoped there was some magic to see. But by the time she got around to walking home, it had begun to rain and evening was setting in. Now, remember, this is early March. 
So it's probably by the time the sun was going down and there's rain coming down, it's pretty cold. By the time Bridget returned home, she was wet through and freezing. She reported having a terrible pain in her head, changed into her bedclothes, went to sleep. She walked home five miles in the rain and then went to bed. Makes sense to me. For sure. The next morning, Bridget woke up with a fever and a cough. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. And the pain in her head was still persisting. Michael called the doctor, who called on the doctor. Obviously, there's no phone, so he went to the doctor's house looking for him to come and visit Bridget. The doctor said he couldn't come for three days. He was super busy. Yeah. Sorry. Sick wife has to (laughs) wait. Michael, like, hated that and started to panic. And he called on the doctor two more additional times to try and, like, hurry him along. And this isn't, like, a phone call. Like, he went to his house and pounded on the door and was like, get out here. Oh, see, he's a good husband. Uh, He tried. (laughs) He put some effort into it. He did. During the three-day wait for the doctor, Bridget barely ate and became restless and agitated. And Michael began escalating into a state of panic. When the doctor finally arrived, he diagnosed Bridget with slight bronchitis and nervous excitement. I know. Which, of course, she was nervous. Her husband was flipping out. She was sick in a remote Irish village in the 1890s, which is not really a time where you'd be confident in your medical care. Right. So this was probably pretty, pretty scary. Nervous excitement, same thing, whatever. So the doctor prescribed her some medication. I can't find anywhere what he prescribed her. It was probably nonsense anyway. And went on his way. Michael cornered the doctor when he was leaving and asked if he was sure that there was nothing further wrong with Bridget because to Michael, she seemed to be different, as if she had gotten better looking and two inches taller. (laughs) I would love that bronchitis. I know. Can that be the virus that goes around now? You just get taller and hot? Right. I I mostly look like a swamp monster when I'm sick. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, but not Bridget. The doctor reassured him that Bridget was just sick and a little nervous. Rest and medicine was all she needed, and she should be fine in a couple days. Right. But she wasn't. Oh. Right. So after a couple days and she's not better, Michael's panic starts to grow. And so after the doctor's visit and she didn't get better, Michael went to meet with a priest. Like you do. And the priest agreed to pay a visit to Bridget, and he did so that very afternoon. He also agreed that nothing seemed wrong with her. He's like, she's got a cold. She's going to be fine. Mm -hmm. I don't think sense any evil in the air or anything like that. The doctor was right. But just in case, he gave her last rites, which I think is terrifying. Yeah, that is very terrifying. Before I go, just in case you die. Yeah. (laughs) Here's some priesty shit. That's the real Irish goodbye. (laughs) Just your last rites. Last rites. And then you're out of there. And nobody wants to say goodbye to you because that's what you do. (laughs) Explained. Another myth uncovered. We're very smart this week. (laughs) Michael was still not satisfied by this. Which, like, come on, man. Okay. By now, um, Bridget's family members were starting to trickle in to help tend to Bridget and the household because they would have needed help at that point in time. And these people that were coming in included Bridget's father, John Dune. He's back, the egg guy. John Dune was a charismatic and eccentric man. It was rumored that he practiced divination and could see into the future, and he was wise in the ways of fairy magic. Ooh, my kind of guy. Right, clever. <laughs> yeah. He was a fun dude. He took one look at Bridget and declared, That is not Bridget Clary! Who was she? I'm less fun now, huh? 
And with that, Michael was convinced the pair declared that the being in the bed was not Bridget, but a changeling. (gasps) Yeah, the fairies had stolen Bridget and left this monster in her place. And if they did not act now, the real Bridget would be gone forever. My God. I know, he got real dramatic real fast. Okay. And this is the answer Michael liked. Not the doctor's answer, not the priest's answer, Mm -hmm. crazy cousin's answer. Cool. So crazy cousin says they have to call upon Dennis Ganey, the local fairy doctor. Now, I don't know if that's a title anybody wants anymore. I do. (laughs) (laughs) I absolutely do. Leslie, the local fairy doctor. Thank you. That Mm -hmm. is my title this Mm -hmm. week. (laughs) I claimed it. I'm a fake doctor. You're a fairy doctor. I love it. Let's start our practice. Okay. New podcast coming soon. (laughs) Fake doctor, fairy doctor. (laughs) That's kind of really appropriate of us, though. I think so. Because... Because I read all the science stuff, and you're like, but magic. But magic. I love it. Even though I'm super based in science, it's all real. Put some oils on it. You'll be fine. (laughs) I have studies. I know you do. Tea tree oil. I've tested fairies. (laughs) I would like to see these studies. Okay. So they call in the fairy doctor, and he comes to rid the house of this sinister presence. And now we're going to take a break in the story and get into some of the folklore. First, when we say the fairy folk, we don't really mean, like, Tinkerbell. Fairies was more of a blanket term Irish folks used at the time to kind of blame on anything that went wrong. No milk from the cow? Fairies. Cop, crops gone bad? Goddamn fairies. Damn fairies. Stub your toe, trip on furniture that you see every day and really should be able to anticipate? Fairies. They were used for more dire explanations, too, as well as, like, a grave illness or people who went missing. But there's a lot more to them than that. Yeah, and Leslie has lots of fairy information for us. I do. I love fairies. Take it away. I love it. So they were seen as like tricksters Mm -hmm. mostly, but some people also thought of them as being peaceful. Okay. Um, A lot of the tales show them as being really small, but I've also seen ones where they're like just normal human height as well. Yeah, most things I encountered, they were little. I mean, yeah. not necessarily Especially with like... the Irish folklore. I think they're, they're definitely smaller. Yeah. And we'll get back to that because we'll talk about, like, the fairy rings and things mm-hmm. like that. Okay. And why I would then assume that they were always small. Yeah, I don't know that they're necessarily, like, two inches high, but they're, they're like, little things. Yeah. But, yeah, so they were... Uh, some of them thought them to just be peaceful and playful. They were very vain. Mm. And I think that's something that might have been more characterized in some of like the TV shows now, but it's because of a lot of the characteristics that they had. Tinkerbell loves a mirror. She does love a mirror. Yeah, yeah they they really liked uh, they liked beauty. Okay, they loved dancing and music as well. Who doesn't? Mm-hmm. Um, but they were attracted to people that others found th- that others were envious of. So Bridget. Yeah. She mm-hmm. was supposedly very pretty and charismatic, so. Yeah, and the townspeople, like, Talk just about talked her. about her all the time. Yeah. So do they have a distaste for humans, though? I, so again, this is going back and forth. They they very well could have. Okay. Um, Some believe that they did, uh, but others thought that they actually admired humans. Okay. Um, they wanted they admired the way like mothers cared for their child Mm -hmm. they um also thought that their blood could be strong so sometimes they would want to maybe mate with the other uh with humans to help with like (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, so the, some believe that they um, they liked human blood because it would help make their bloodline stronger. It makes delicious tea cakes. Yeah, <laughs> delicious <laughs> tea cakes. Um, but others thought it was more kind of demonic where fairies actually had to feed off of human blood. Oh, it does make delicious survive. tea cakes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so there's, it's kind of like in the folklore, you hit almost every single... So if there was a middle ground, we would say they were kind of jealous, maybe. Yeah. Okay. Always, I just feel like fairies always come off to me as, like, envious. And, okay. Because they just were vain. I just feel okay. like they were attracted to shiny, pretty things. Oh. I think I might be a fairy. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Fine. Were they seen as, like, super dangerous in any way, or is just, it was mostly just mischief? Um, mostly mischief, but okay. they, yeah, they were definitely tricksters. Um, they've been known to veer people off their paths so they would yeah if you had like a traveler in the woods Mm -hmm. they might um try to trick them into going a different direction got it um so travelers were always warned to just like if you hear anything just ignore it just keep going your way and they'll leave you alone type of things yeah um but i don't know what else we talked about fairy circles because the ring fort so tell me tell me about fairy circles so you mentioned the fairy fort that was like a stone Mm -hmm. building so some fairy circles are built from stones Mm -hmm. um which i would assume nowadays would just have been like humans kind of putting stones around or like you said it was like a demolished building yeah it was like the um what would be left of they said it was a medieval fort it was iron so that but there might have been stone built up underneath it that might have just yeah. been the foundation so that's one way the other one that i think is a little bit more popular is the mushroom circles <gasps> i tell yeah. my kids that mushrooms are fairy umbrellas yeah oh that's so cute i love it they don't pick them because of that they keep them yeah. there so fairies can hide under the rain oh <laughs> it's a true story it. i love it so um the fairies would create these circles by or would yeah they would create these circles by dancing and then these little mushrooms Aww. would kind of pile up and or the I stones or whatever it was really nice but well do you want me to tell you how mushrooms were probably created in a circle yeah okay so I this do. is really fun okay <laughs> so Please, obviously there's the one way where the fairies were dancing and they mm-hmm. created these circles but probably what happened was well you know that mushrooms are fungus right yes. okay I hate that word <laughs> so this kind of fungus grew underground. Gross. So the fungus would sprout small threads in a circular shape, <gasps> which this is our word of the day. <gasps> word of the day is called mycelium. Ooh. Yes. I like it. And so, what's what's the definition of that? So mycelium is a vegetative part of a fungus. It's consisting of a network of fine white filaments, which in this case it was those little threads that would um be sprouted underground from the fungus. Oh, God. And gross. they would form these little circles. Okay. And then in about a year or so, um, mushrooms would pop up on the edges of those circles. Oh. So they would just form in these little, in a little circle ring, which is why I would think that that's why the fairies were smaller mm-hmm. at the time. But over the years, they would grow bigger and bigger. Oh. So then you'd have this nice big circle ring, which I think is where. Um, it would make it easier to maybe walk into the circle as a human yeah. and kind of go into a fairy realm. Yeah. Um, and you can get lost in there. But fairies were um, pretty clicky, kind of like Ugh, your high school so high school clicky. click. Um, they didn't like people to enter their fairy ring. so Who does? 
<laughs> so humans would want to join in, and they were like, "This is fun, and we'll dance around in the fairy ring I with like all the music fairies." And shiny things. Yeah, they just they just wanted to be cool and dance around in it, and fairies were just like, "This guy's a joke." <laughs> what we're gonna make him keep dancing bye and he's gonna get super exhausted and pass out oh. and we'll just leave him there for him to have to go home later or oh, her, no. whoever it was yeah oh okay yeah they were really rude <laughs> they're jealous <laughs> jealous of everything they were looking for a blood sacrifice they were well yeah they were and then you know where we should go to canada yeah <laughs> everybody knows that at this point <laughs> Make us some more fan art. (laughs) (laughs) That was another thing, though. We'll probably get into that later. But they did believe... There were some regions that believed that the fairies had made a deal with the devil. And they... The devil required a blood sacrifice. Well... He wasn't in Canada then. He was so not, no. So the fairies had to make a decision if they were going to flee to Canada mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. first choice. Flee to or Canada. Or kill one of their own. And they didn't like either one of those. So they had a third option, which we'll get into later. Oh, I love a cliffhanger. Yes. Oh, and the last one that I you know what? I didn't really do too much research on this, but I know that a ring around the moon is a thing too. It's like oh, a yeah. sign of trouble or impending events. Oh, the, okay. A ring around the moon. I've heard of that too. There was one like three nights ago. They say it in Practical Magic. Oh, oh, I love Practical it's Magic. So good, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, those are our little fairy introductions. But this week, um, we're talking about a very specific form of fairy called a changeling. Now, the changeling was a phenomenon that came became responsible for some pretty destructive behavior. And I actually have a quotation from the April 25th, 1895 New York Times. Oh. I know. I'm very official this week. <laughs> um, wherein they describe this behavior. And this is actually specifically referring to Bridget Clary's case. Because it was international news. It was reported all over the place. It gets real crazy when we get back into the story. <laughs> so they say, when a young child appears delicate or a young woman consumptive or hysterical, the conclusion is often that the child or the woman has been carried off by the fairies to be made a playmate or nurse to the young fairies, and that a fairy substitute resembling the person taken away is deposited in its place, which gradually declines and ultimately dies. The belief is that the changeling will be tortured by fire, and its fairy parents will hear its cries, rush to its aid, carry it back to fairyland, and at the same moment restore the real person who will be found sleeping calmly in their bed. Great. <laughs> yeah, so that's just a little introduction to what happens with changelings, and that's what the New York Times re- reported. So so your, your basic changeling would be a fairy that was swapped out for a human, and most frequently it was a baby. Most frequently it was babies. They would switch out like a fairy baby um, for a human baby. They would take the human baby, and then that was... Uh, it became like, if you thought you had a changeling baby, it was an excuse for any kind of bad behavior in a baby. Your baby was colicky. Your baby was cranky. Your baby was born deficient in some way. Like if they had a, a birth defect mm-hmm. or any kind of genetic abnormality. A lot of times they say it described babies with Down syndrome because they looked a little different. Yeah. And so they would say, well, that's not my child. That's a changeling. Mm-hmm. And so that just became a way to explain things that you didn't like in a person. Um, which is really sad and I don't love it. 
know. And the adults that, that were substituted for changelings, which is less common, but it did happen. They were usually, like the article said, they had some sort of grave illness or like temperament issue that, that the family really didn't care for. So she just, She's being a bitch this week. So she's <laughs> a changeling. Yeah. Let's get rid of her yeah. in an awful way. <laughs> Do you have any other add-ons? Yeah, so I think... So also with the babies, it could mm-hmm. have also been a lot of times they say it's a baby fairy for a baby human, mm-hmm. but it could that also have been, yeah, it could have, yeah, very fair. Yeah, whatever. Um, but it could have also been a elderly fairy that was kind of on its way out, was going to die. <sighs> Less fair. And they switched it. So it became a baby human mm-hmm. because they liked how the mothers cared for the babies. And so it was kind of like oh. a pleasant way for them to go out of the world. Oh God. I know. Isn't ah. that- that's awful. They could be like loved and cared for and like like cradled until they left. So Earth. that would also explain like sudden infant deaths. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. if your baby had you had no explanation as to why your baby died, well that was just an old person fairy. Yeah. That, that makes was, sense. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times they're described as um either eating voraciously, like yep. eating everything in sight, or mm-hmm. just not eating at all. Right. So and then that one's kind of sad because a lot of times that would happen in a bigger family. So with the Irish mm-hmm. culture, Irish yeah. Catholic, they had a lot of kids. And if one kid was just overeating or kind of becoming a problem yeah. and they couldn't they couldn't keep up, they couldn't get enough food and mm-hmm. you know, that was another reason for it. Like they thought, Oh, it's a changeling and we have to Or they were weak and they couldn't get that one to thrive. Exactly. Same kind of thing. It's mm-hmm. just it's just kind of a sad excuse for Whenever you can't deal yeah. with something. One of my favorite ones, though, is from the goblins, the goblin lore. <laughs> and they would they would um, switch the babies because they thought that humans would help train their babies to become better, like, thriving goblins. Just, like, <laughs> like more respectable. I mean, I am pretty good at raising little goblins. Yeah. So... <laughs> I have two. They're asleep upstairs. Yeah. Probably. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm down here. Oh, I also have a fun little addition. Sometimes changelings were also said to be swapped out for like inanimate objects. Yeah. So oh. it would be like a piece of wood or a lump of coal or, you know, any kind of weird thing like that. And this is the case in the Maurice Sendak book, Outside Over There, wherein a little girl is left in charge of her baby sibling. And while she isn't paying attention to the baby, the goblins swap it out for a baby made of ice. The girl then journeys into the world of the goblins to retrieve the baby before her mother can notice what has gone on. And if that sounds familiar to you, it's because outside over there is the source material for one of the greatest movies of all time, Labyrinth. Yes. (laughs) I'm just happy I could bring Labyrinth into a podcast. We've been trying for a couple weeks now. I know. (laughs) Obviously, they ditched the ice baby in favor of a simple kidnapping, but the rest of it's all there. Mystical creatures are seen as mischief makers. Uh, Fairies are pests. And the royalty steals babies. There you go. Yeah, so without Irish mythology, none of us would have had really complicated feelings about David Bowie and his riding pants in our youth. (laughs) (laughs) I still feel complicated about it. Listen, we all do. It's fine. (laughs) Totally fine. So we can thank the changelings for some cool stuff. Yes, I love it. So that also brings me back to what I was talking about with the demons. Oh, jeez. Yeah. So the blood sacrifice. Mm. So the fairies had those two options. They can either go to Canada 
or mm-hmm. kill one of their own Bad to options. give their yeah to give their blood sacrifice to Satan. Got it. For, oh, for whatever they owed him they for. Took a I don't dark know. Turn. Yeah, I don't know what they owed him. Um, they, well, these were Catholics. Remember that oh, yeah. were coming up with this. It's all fire and brimstone. Um. So instead of killing one of their own, they decided that oh, we'll just switch the babies and we'll kill a human baby, and then we'll oh. let our fairy baby live on and then one day maybe we'll go back and get it back oh wow okay yeah i should also mention that we mentioned goblins a couple times they're just like a different variation of fairies yeah there's so many different types fairies is also just the blanket umbrella term Mm -hmm. that they used for any kind of like mystical creature so they might be like a pretty little winged creature they also might be like a little troll or a little gremlin goblin guy Mm -hmm. Um, and if you want to go and do your own research, there are like a billion different types of folkloric. And it's really fun. It is fun. It is fun. Oh, there's an episode of Lore that includes a lot of them. Lore is one of my favorites. Um, yeah, so you can find all the other, we're not going to get into all of them this week, but there are maybe one, maybe we'll do a little special where we talk about the different kinds. Mm -hmm. We'll we'll do one more after this episode when they stay tuned. Oh, that's right. There's a special. (laughs) We love a special. Fortunately, there were several ways to rid oneself of a changeling and restore your loved one that ranged from not so bad mm-hmm. to really, really, really bad. Right. So, <laughs> so we're going to talk about some of the changeling cures before we get back to Bridget. Leslie? Yeah. So do we want to do preventions or cures? Oh, yes. That's right. There are ways to um, ward, like to keep fairies and stuff away. So So I guess before we cure, we'll talk about prevention. Yeah. And some of these were probably just things that people would just, I mean, most of them were, most Irish people at this time were probably very superstitious. So there were just a few easy ones that they would do. Like you would just carry bread on you. Bread was like something that everybody made and it was a way of life for them so they thought that that was a very powerful thing Mm kind of like spices and dune i don't know what you're talking about but somebody does (laughs) i hope so (laughs) um so there was bread garlic like like a vampire just like a vampire um iron was like a horseshoe horseshoe over your door right Mm -hmm. so you can uh most of them were using them with crosses. Mm. Um, that was good. Uh, scissors, too. You can have, like, iron scissors. I read that. Like that. Mm-hmm. Um, also, uh, wearing your clothes inside out could help. That'll um, keep people away from you. Mm-hmm. Watching over your child constantly. Cool. Yeah. So never taking an eye off of them or always having someone around when you can't to look at them. Listen, I already do that because I yeah. read too much true crime, so my kids... They're pretty constantly yep. monitored. Um, also, to not look too good. So if you're an adult, you don't want to look too good. Like Bridget, who <laughs> like looked Bridget. too good. Mm-hmm. Um, and also as a community, to mm-hmm. not envy either the children or adults. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so to not look at the baby and think like, what they said it was like overlooking or something, where it was just like... Overlooking is be ignoring. That's what I thought, too. It was the way that they phrased it. Mm. But just, like, doting on the child a lot, which is what they were doing to Bridget all the time. So with babies, we do that a lot. Yeah. And then, so we should stop. So you don't want to spoil people, basically. Yeah, Yeah, you don't want to spoil them. Um, (laughs) Yeah, so just stop it. Your baby is ugly. (laughs) Get your baby out of here. I'm done. (laughs) Ugliest baby ever. (laughs) Just with babies, real quick. I also read that um, when a mother gave birth, someone would have to be in the room at all times. 
because if she was exhausted and fell asleep after giving birth to her baby and nobody else was in the room, that's when they get you. Yeah, of course. So Always somebody, somebody needs to be there all the time. Ugh. <laughs> that sounds awful. And then this is my favorite one. Okay. <laughs> Don't become a newlywed. Oh, well, you're done. Yeah, Sorry. I'm done. Sorry. <laughs> I'm going to be changed soon. Yeah, I guess because they're when you're newlywed, you're like the happiest, you're glowing, mm-hmm. it's just wonderful, and that's when they'll come and snatch your body. Listen, if you get married and then you turn real bitchy, mm-hmm. I'm going to have to do some crazy shit. Yep. Let's talk about what crazy shit I would have to do. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Did we skip any preventative measures? Because I'm really excited for the yeah, other ones. Yeah, we're good. Okay, okay. Let's, let's talk about cures. <laughs> if that's what you want to call them. Uh, they're they're kind of awful. Yeah. So we'll start with no, some. No, actually, no, some of them are cute. Yeah, we'll start with the fun ones. Okay. Okay. So these ones were um, the parent. So say your baby. You thought it was a changeling at the mm-hmm. time. Um, trying to cook something in eggshells. So sometimes I boil bread. water. Yeah, too. boil water. <laughs> yeah. But you can, I heard, I actually heard like brewing beer in them. In an eggshell. In an eggshell. Beer makers report yeah. back. Do as if that's possible. Yes. So apparently this would be something that could possibly make the changeling laugh or <laughs> confuse me laugh. them. But yeah, I don't know. So the idea of making them laugh or confusing them like would just make them jump out of the body and <laughs> just be like, all right, I'm good now. Bye. Like, <laughs> and get so out of here. Woo! Yeah. It would like, it would like. I don't know. Bring them to life or well, something. Well, that's delightful. Yeah. Um, so th- <laughs> We all love tiny food. I also love the one where they would try to trick them into telling their age. So just by talking to them. So a lot of times they thought that all like of a sudden baby? their baby would just get wiser or their child would get wiser. Don't and, be a smart child. Yeah. And they would question something that you were doing and you were like, well, you're only a kid. Why would you even question that? Like you're showing your age. <laughs> Oh my god, children do that 100% of the time. My the children. Time. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine if that if my ta- my daughter lived back then? Yeah. Mhm. Good god. I know some of these like those things I always feel like mm-hmm. a tricking and telling their age is definitely something for an older kid to yeah. have done like a even like a 5-year-old, 4 yeah. or 5. And then or a 3-year-old. I mean, I hear they them have say so shit many all the time. You've heard my children say yeah. some crazy shit. And then as an adult, it would be just something that they would say. They would be confused. They okay. wouldn't know who you were. Or they would say something that would make them sound like a grandpa. Like, super old. Interesting. You know? Okay. Don't get confused. Yeah. Um, other ones that get a little dicier are the torturing. Yeah, there's so, a lot of those. Yeah. So they would... Um, torturing could be as simple as just letting the baby cry and ignoring them. Mm-hmm. Or actually hitting, trying to drown them. Yeah. Like and they're trying to drown it, like, out. Like, they're trying to get the changeling out. Or annoy the fairy mother on the right. other side to come back and be like, just stop hurting my child. Yeah, like, they hear that they... Back. Some of it is involves making them scream. Because yeah. then the fairy mother would hear them and come and get them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it's terrible because you want to make them so... In so much pain and so uncomfortable yep. that that's when they leave. Mm-hmm. And then there was heat and fire. So yep. you would like try to burn them out. But you didn't want to like put the people in the fire. That wasn't really what you were supposed to do. You just wanted to heat them up. And then they would scream and get annoyed mm-hmm. again. Um, 
There was, you know, the simple axe trying to just cut it out of the. Ooh, I didn't read that one. Yikes. Yeah, I, that, that may have happened once or twice, not too many times. And then this one was kind of cool. It was the foxglove tea. Yeah. So that's something that the parents would make. Um, foxglove is a, a flower, uh, like an herb. So it's its Latin name is Digitalis purpurea. Ooh, mm-hmm. um, it's very poisonous, but we do use it today in medicine. Um, it, it was yeah, it was used uh, back in the day as well for the same thing, but it was for treating heart disease. So if you know digitalis, nice. yeah, mm-hmm. that's where that comes from. So the proper there is a small dosage that you can use of it where it's not poisonous, but it's super easy to make it poisonous. It doesn't take much for it to become dangerous. And then when you consume that, it makes you violently ill. Yep, like it mm-hmm. gives you full-blown any kind of stomach problem you could imagine yeah yeah really weak really frail it's terrible and the berry they have berries on those flowers Mm -hmm. too so those were something as well and the and children were i remember reading that children it's a very pretty flower yeah so children were um they liked it and so they may have even come into contact with it i think it's a belled flower almost like a hollyhock yeah it's pretty Mm -hmm. um but then this was the nicest one i thought this was really sweet so Instead of torturing or doing any of these other things Uh to the baby, even just making them laugh, the mother would just care. Like, the baby would be sick, Mm -hmm. and the mother would just care for it, and they'd bring it back to health, and it would thrive. And then the fairy mother would just switch the babies because now her baby was okay and healthy and take it back. So it was almost like— that's nice. Yeah. That I was like read, a nicer one. I didn't read any nice ones. I have a couple of really other other yeah, ones that are not as nice. Um, you got the drowning part. A lot of times they wouldn't fully drown them. They'd like hold them underwater right. for like the it time was, and take they them out. Trying to drown them. There's for sure a documented case where a woman drowned an infant mm-hmm. trying to get a train a changeling out of it. Um, also, it was said that fairies like milk. They like to drink milk. That was another thing you could leave out for fairies, and especially they were attracted to new milk. Which okay. is like after a cow gives birth, immediately that milk. And they would put foxglove in that. Okay. So I read that that was like another concoction that they would make. That's cool. Yeah, really weird. And and the other one was abandonment. They would just leave them in the woods. Yeah. And hope that we're like, okay, okay come and get them. Bye. Right. And there were definitely children that were like died of exposure or animals mm-hmm. because they were just left out in the woods. Um, and I know that's, which is just pretty bleak. I wonder if the milk thing was taken through to like Santa Claus because of the elves. Maybe. I never he even was thought kinda about considered, that. He was kind of considered a fairy. That's, I guess, kind of. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And because of the severity of these remedies, a lot of, and because the changelings were mostly babies, it became associated with rampant infanticide at the time. Like a lot of, a lot of babies died at the hands of this. Yeah. Which is pretty sad. So uh, it, was, it was kind of like a, a serious problem for babies back then and less common for full-grown adults. So Bridget's story is, mm-hmm. is kind of novel. Yeah. Or just less common, I will say. And I think that's, uh, that's all our changeling information that's for now. I have. Okay, cool. Then let's get back to Bridget. <laughs> cool. The arrival of the fairy doctor was not exactly a welcome sight for Bridget. She said she was interested in fairy lore, so she would be familiar with what was coming her way. Mm-hmm. And she would have been pretty terrified because she wasn't a baby. So they're not going to, like, pet her head until the other one comes back. They're going to do some pretty rough shit. At the time of Dennis Ganey, Ganey's, Ganey, Dennis Ganey's arrival, there was quite a crowd assembled at the Bowling 
Cleary residence. Bridget's father was there, and Michael, and Bridget, obviously, plus her father's cousins, John Dune, who was always involved, Patrick, William, James, and Michael Kennedy, which just, like, is the most Irish assemblage I've ever heard. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. And so Bridget is now in a small cottage with eight men who want to torture a changeling out of her. Ugh. You're not going to act right. You're going to be terrified. I mean, I would be terrified. I'd be trying to climb out a window if that were me. And I'd like to just take a minute to restate that at this point in the story, Bridget had only been sick for five days. And so she's still sick. Yeah. The standard <laughs> length of time you have bronchitis is two weeks. Bronchitis doesn't go away super fast. And that's what the doctor said she had. Even a common cold usually lasts at least a week, which I'm a testament to right now. During these five days, Michael Clary's father had also passed away. So he had just reached a point where he was beginning to unravel. He had grief on one end, panic on another. He didn't know if his, what was going on with his wife. He also had thoughts of what had been going on previous to her illness. Was she cheating on him? Like he just had, he was just a cocktail of panic. So Dennis Ganey observes Bridget and confirms that she was indeed a changeling. He's like, yep, that's, you guys are right. And he stated that once the changeling arrived, they had nine days, which is pretty common. Nine was the number I got. A couple stories say 11, but I have more sources that say nine. To banish it before the fairies would be able to keep Bridget forever. Not necessarily that they would, but they would have like the option, I guess. And now they were down to four days. So Dennis asks Michael to gather new milk, like I said before, which is the first milk from a cow directly after giving birth. Michael goes and gets it, which I can't imagine that's easy. The cow has to just give birth, like the second afterwards, that milk. That's so wild. Yeah. So well, I, maybe some people store it for this particular maybe, case. Maybe you're right. Maybe they do. Or maybe there was they were dairy farmers nearby and that mm -hmm. there was just a lot of pregnant cows about. I don't know. Yeah. But he got some. And he what made What do you know? There's a Here's the new yeah. milk. <laughs> and he mixed it with herbs, which we now know would have been foxglove, and demanded that Bridget drink it. But she refused because she probably knew what it was, is what mm -hmm. I'm thinking. Like, she clamped her mouth shut. She did not want any part of what he was trying to force on her. And, and this is not, like, a nice thing. Like, here, honey, take your medicine. They were, like, shouting at her right. and trying to ram it down her throat. Men, all those men that were there were holding her down and trying to force feed her this medicine, but she wouldn't take it. So at this point, Michael took a hot poker from the fireplace and held it near Bridget's face until she opened her mouth and drank it. Ugh. Yeah. Doesn't get nicer either. Predictably, predictably, sorry, this caused Bridget to grow weak and sick. So she was at this point also probably having a lot of stomach issues. She was very weak. And it's just spoonfuls of it. So she wasn't poisoned to a level where she was going to die, but it was unpleasant. Dennis Ganey next instructed Michael to begin to shout at her, are you Bridget Boland? Because he thought that this would confuse a changeling because he was using her maiden name. Yeah. Like you said, they want to be confused. Mm -hmm. um, to which she would always respond, yeah, like, that's who I am. What do you want from me? But that just wasn't enough for them. So Michael started repeatedly shouting these questions and asked her to proclaim these statements to say, I am Bridget Boland, the wife of Michael Clary in the name of God. And she would have to say this in a clear, distinct voice. Now, this comes back to a lot of the Salem witch trial stuff where you have to repeat things so much as a stutter or a breath in the wrong place, and that's proof. That's just proof that you're, you're a changeling. Or in the case of the Salem witches, it was the Lord's Prayer. If you could not recite the Lord's Prayer flawlessly, and I mean like don't even, don't even mess up a syllable or breathe weird, then you were a witch and you were hanged. 
takes me back to Catholic school. Good times. <laughs> Yikes. This, as you can imagine, was incredibly difficult for Bridget at this point. She's sick. She's weak. She's terrified. And so she's not going to produce a clear statement like they wanted. So they're not getting the desired results at this time. And Ganey now instructs Michael, and this I haven't read anywhere, to throw animal urine at Bridget because oh. it would disgust them. Well, it disgusts me. It's pretty gross. Yeah. <laughs> so he did it. No luck. Changeling still didn't leave. <laughs> it was gross, though, I'm sure. I'm sure that was not a fun room to be in. And this ordeal is now proceeding into the next day. Like, it's obviously taking a long time to do all these things, to find a pregnant cow. <laughs> um, and they had little time to rest. So now everyone is also exhausted and delirious. The questioning and the medicine continue. And by the seventh day, the men become desperate. And Bridget was described as wild and deranged, which, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't you be? Yeah. Oh, my I'm, God. I'm feeling it now. I know. And in a state of probably mental collapse at this point. So the men carry her from her bed, place her on the ground dangerously close to the fire, like in the hearth. Yeah. Like probably on, you know how a hearth has like a stone part and then it goes into the floor? Mm -hmm. She would have been like in the stone part. Like in the hearth. In the hearth. Not, not a comfortable place to be. Like you said, she wasn't on fire, but she was not comfortable where she was sitting. So from this spot, they, they shot the questions at her again, threatening to push her into the fire. Michael shouted, are you Bridget Boland, wife of Michael Cleary, in the name of God? And she answered. And for some reason, this time, that was good enough. They're like, oh, all right, God. that's the good one. Dennis Ganey says, okay, now I believe you. So Bridget was carried back to her bed and allowed to rest. And Dennis Ganey went home. The next morning, Michael, Bridget's father, his cousins, and a few of their wives came over and observed a priest blessing the house. And then they made some breakfast. I love it. I know. Nice day. Family breakfast. Mm. Priest blessed the house. Mm. <laughs> Leslie's in her snuggy mode. It's good. Bridget woke up that day feeling rested and a little bit better. Her fever had broken. People weren't yelling at her. Yeah, no one's shouting at her. And she probably <laughs> slept for like 10 hours. That'll make a huge difference when you're sick. She dressed herself in one of her really nice dresses, a good pair of stockings, um, and she put on her gold earrings because she wanted to present herself as strong mm -hmm. to the company that was there and, like, herself. That's how Bridget right. presented. So she's mm -hmm. like, okay, I have to be me. I have to be, like, a strong presence. So mm -hmm. she, you know, you put on your armor. When we go out, we're the same way. If you're going to go out somewhere, mm -hmm. you want to, like, look your best, and then you right. feel more confident. Especially when you don't feel well. Yeah. And you finally have to, like, go back to work. You're just or like, let day, me just. The first shower after you're sick. Ugh. Ugh, so good. But then you feel like a person again. It's like, yeah. that. I imagine that was the moment she was having. And that's a good moment. You feel good. But when she walked out of that bedroom in her flashy dress, Michael was on tilt the second he saw her. Because remember, he doesn't like the way she dresses. Oh, yeah. He sees that as something out of the ordinary. That would be a red flag. Bridget sat cautiously down at the table and asked for a glass of milk. <gasps> I know. Michael jumped at her in a rage, stating that the fairy folk were who liked milk. They wanted milk. So this is another huge red flag to him. And if she were truly herself, she would eat three slices of bread with jam. I don't know why. But he thought, this is another thing, trial by bread, I know this sounds really weird, but it was yeah. a thing, like you had mm -hmm. to eat dry bread 
to prove that you were like a person. She's just the worst. You can't. It's, it's also a, like a test that you're going to fail every time. Right. It's like the freaking idiots that do the saltine challenge or the cinnamon challenge. Yeah. Like you're going to cough your, fr- your face off. Mm-hmm. But that's what he wanted her to do. And obviously Brid- Bridget was sick and weak and dehydrated and just she couldn't do it. Right. So he grabbed her and threw her down by the fire and tried to shove the bread down her throat. And it wouldn't work. It wouldn't, I mean, obviously it's not going to work. Bridget whispered to him, your mother used to go with the fairies. Is that why you think I do it? This did not work well. No. (laughs) No. This infuriated him because he was not okay with the realm of the fairies. She thought this was going to be a relatable thing. It was going to be like a, no, it wasn't. He just got even more angry. In a fit of rage, he pulled all of her clothes off down to just her chemise, which would be like an underlayer of clothes, like a, like an old-timey nightgown type thing, and her stockings. And he grabbed a lamp from the mantle and doused her with lamp oil. Now, Bridget's family is, is all in the room at this point, and they start to panic. They say, don't, don't do it, don't do it. Like, what are you doing? This is crazy. But Michael could not be stopped, and he was just crazy and wild-eyed and violent at this point and insisted that he was not going to burn Bridget. He was going to burn the creature that had taken her place. And they would see that when he did that, the creature would fly up the chimney and Bridget would come back. Oh, no. Yeah. The family looked on completely frozen by fear and panic as Michael grabbed a log from the fire and set Bridget ablaze. Oh, oh God. They stood and watched as she burned to death. There was no creature to be seen. Nothing flew out the chimney. When it was done, Michael, pale and quiet, locked everyone in the house for two hours. He left, locked them all in. He said, I'll be back. So they're just sitting there with the charred remains of their family member. When he returned, he said that he had dug a hole out in the bog and the cousins were to place a sack over Bridget's face, which is the one part of her that didn't burn. So you could could have seen her facial expressions as this happened, which is just horrifying. So he said to put a sack over Bridget's face and bring her out to be buried. They buried her in the bog. Michael expected the real Bridget to return to him any day now, riding a white horse tied to its back. He would cut her restraints with a black-handled knife, and then they would live happily ever after, as if this never happened. That didn't happen. (sighs) Michael reported Bridget missing to the police the next day. Two days later, a priest came upon Michael, sitting in the sanctuary of a church and weeping. Rough day. Michael told the father his whole horrible tale. And he was so confused why Bridget hadn't come back. He genuinely thought this was going to work and she was going to come back. Well, the priest knew that this was a crime. He didn't see eye to eye. So he comforted Michael as best he could, kept him in one place, and reported the act to the police. They found Bridget's charred body still wearing one stocking and her gold earrings. And that is what happened to Bridget Clary. That's horrible. Sorry. So uh, Michael's sentencing was not that easy because he truly believed himself to be innocent. And there was definitely a part of the population that would have agreed with him. There was still a large part of the population back then. Right, although at that point her family was not convinced at all. Her family had watched her her die and they knew it was Bridget in the end. Yeah. Because that was just a god-awful thing to watch. So the New York Times gives us his sentencing. This would be July 6, 1895. They said, um, on July 5th, Michael Clary, living near the town of Clonmel, was convicted today of manslaughter and having burned his wife, Bridget Clary, to death 
last March. Clary was sentenced to 20 years imprisonment. His accomplices were also convicted. Patrick Kennedy was condemned to five, and John Dune to three years imprisonment. William and James Kennedy to 18 months each, and Patrick Bolin and Michael Kennedy to six months each. So everyone who witnessed what happened to her or helped also was sentenced, which I am pretty happy that kind of justice was sought out because they really could have done something and they didn't. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's what happened to Michael. And now, to this day, Irish children can still be hearing, heard, saying the rhyme, are you a witch or are you a fairy or are you the wife of Michael Clary? Creepy. It's very creepy. Uh, and like my little like psychology asterisk in the end is that um, some modern, modern psychologists suggest that Michael may have had something called Capgrass syndrome, which causes a person to believe that someone they know is replaced by an imposter. Like this is a real phenomenon and it includes, it's caused by a disconnect between the visual part of your brain and the area of your brain responsible for facial processing. So what you see and what you process in a face loses the link and then therefore you can't recognize people. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it's a real phenomenon that happens to people. It's very uncommon. Um, and I honestly don't buy that. I don't think that that's what we're dealing with here. It's just a possibility mm -hmm. that medicine has since discovered. So right. I figured yeah. I'd mention it. Yeah, I think that was definitely more of a case of just their folklore belief. It was I mean, hysteria. everybody believed it. Yeah. It was a strong thing. And that was just around that time. Like, mm -hmm. there was new medicine was coming out. They were hanging, you know, with... There was just too many things yeah. going on. So. Yeah, and it was hysteria just like the witch hysteria, just like yeah. the witch hysteria happened in Europe as well. Like, mm -hmm. Europe is when they burned witches. They didn't do that in Salem, but, like, it's right. the same kind of thing. They thought they were driving the spirits out. I think he was just very much convinced that he was doing the right thing. Right. However, he does eventually come to see that what he had done. He, he was repentant once sentencing came around. He was very upset. He understand, understood that he murdered his wife. Right. Oh, that sucks. It was, it was horrible. He was <laughs> horrifyingly sad because he yeah. really, like, in the moment, did not think he was killing his wife. Right. He probably just, he just wanted a reason for his jealousy of her. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> he wanted to, he thought he could banish that version of her and she would come back this, like, pious wife yeah. like all the other wives in the village. Yeah. Just like a baby who was colicky, you would get rid of and you'd have a baby who was pleasant. Right. It's the same kind of philosophy, but yeah, I don't think he had capgrass, but it's an interesting thing to talk about. For sure. Are we ready for our extra? Oh, Or do you want to yeah. toast first? Let's toast first. Let's toast first? I think that we have to toast to Bridget. Yeah, for sure. Whew. That was an easy one this week. Bridget was an entrepreneur and an educated woman in a time when women were never educated. Mm -hmm. She was fashionable mm -hmm. and witty and smart, and I think that we need to toast to Bridget Clary. Yes, toast. Clink. <laughs> <laughs> Always trying to find a way to clink. I know. We're too far from each we other. We are too far from each other. <laughs> Corona. We're, we're at least six feet away. We are. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. We're the only people in this room, and we. I sound like this, so, yeah. you know, you're doomed. Um, I think before we sell at the end, though, we should give our little extra. Okay. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. All right, here's a little mini extra. Yay! I have a theme song for it. Should we say the title together? Of my extra? Mm-hmm. Well, you don't know it yet. Oh, okay. 
Oh, the theme song is the title. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, bring it, bring it, bring it. <laughs> I was going to say, I know what we're calling it, but I haven't heard the song. Oh, I forgot what we were calling it, so I made a whole new thing. <laughs> I want to hear it. Okay. I have a little bit of cold, so I apologize. I told you we all have coronavirus here. It's fine. And it's also like one o'clock in the morning. It's super late. Yeah, we we recorded real late today. Happy Saturday. Woo! <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Welcome to Leslie's Leprechaun Lesson. Today is your lucky day. Yeah. <laughs> that is the best thing you have ever done. I feel blessed that this is happening. Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah. I was only calling it Leprechauns with Leslie. That is a oh, million times yes. better. <laughs> so many elf. <laughs> <laughs> I love alliteration. All right. So today we're talking about leprechauns. All right. So I pulled this straight from Wikipedia because it was perfect. So I'm just going to give you the definition of okay. what a leprechaun is. And then I'll go into a little fun fact about Love them. a fun fact. Let's go. Okay. So... Leprechauns are usually depicted as a little bearded men, as little bearded men wearing a coat and hat who partake in mischief. They are solitary creatures who spend their time making and mending shoes and have a hidden pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. If captured by a human, they often grant three wishes in exchange for their freedom. So that is the Hello. general definition of what a leprechaun is. And normally their little coat is green, right? That's how we always their imagine little them. Coat. Their little coat. <laughs> I know. So let's take it back to the origin of leprechauns. Please. Yeah. So originally leprechauns were actually in red coats. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, they also could be male or female. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. We got lady leprechauns. Yeah. And they were thought to be another form of a fairy. Okay. So they there is the were umbrella little, term for everything. Yeah, and they were um, mischievous, mm-hmm. um, but the females would uh, they thought they were thought to lure men actually into like the water more. Oh, like a almost siren. like a siren. Yeah, mm. um, and then men, uh, the leprechaun males would, and probably the females too, but they would lure people into like the fairy realm into okay. those areas. Um, but. They were dressed very stylish all the time. Yeah, it was really nice. They were solitary creatures. They just wanted to, like, mend their shoes. I feel you. They didn't want to be disturbed. Don't bother me. Yeah, and when they were disturbed, that's when they'd create a little bit of mischief. Pissed me off. Yeah, right? (laughs) They didn't really, like, hang out with any other creatures except their own, but even then they kind of kept to themselves when they were there because they all kind of understood each other. Okay. Just, like, give us our space. So... Obviously, when humans would catch them, they would get really pissed. Well, yeah. It would be really annoying, and they would just be like, fine, fine, whatever. I can give you three wishes. Just let me go. Oh, they gave wishes. They gave wishes. I love that. So, and that's why humans would think to catch them. Oh. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so they would give three wishes. Also, with, like, the pot of gold thing, I never quite understood. I feel like the pot of gold just created a rainbow. Okay. Instead of it just being at the end of a rainbow. Okay. And that was probably really annoying for them. Yeah. Because then their gold, like, they just had this pot of gold, and it was their money. Mm-hmm. But then it was just, everyone could see it. Ugh. And try and find it. And I'm sure that would annoy them, too. Yeah, everybody's coming out for their gold. Yeah, so it was just these poor little leprechauns in their cute little red coats, male Mm -hmm. and female, just wanted to hang out and mend some shoes and not be bothered. And then us humans had to come in and try to shake them for wishes. Shake them for wishes. That's how we go. Yeah. 
So that's my little leprechaun Aww. tale for you today. Just, you know, be kinder to the leprechauns. They're they, so much nicer than the other fairies. Yeah, they're little introverts. There's also a little uh, leprechaun type creature called a red cap. That is oh. way meaner. Oh, yes. <laughs> they're not nice at all. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have all the information pulled up on them, but I do know that they... Um, Kind of murderous and not very nice. Yeah, I think they may have turned that in. So the 1800s was like a turning point mm-hmm. for the leprechaun tales. That's when you got the green coats. I think mm-hmm. some other people started writing stories about them that well, way. Well, the red coat had something to do with blood, too. Yeah. I think there they was- just switched it somewhere. There was like another mm-hmm. line. But like I said, with the fairies, there were good ones and bad ones. And depending on what region you were in or what you needed to explain. Yeah. Because I know that the red caps had something to do with, like, dipping it in blood. And I'm sure the coats did, too. Mm. I'm sure they have some sort of vicious story somewhere. Probably part of that blood sacrifice. Yeah, please find that for us, guys. Yes. Post it in the Facebook group. Join the Facebook group. It's so fun. Oh, join it. Yeah, and tell all your friends. We need to kind of break through that barrier and get some new... New blood in here. Yeah, I want to see people I don't know. Ooh, not that we don't love the people we do know. We love you yeah. so much, and we are so grateful for I you. Just want to meet new people. Yay! <laughs> Without actually meeting them. <laughs> just internet meet new people <laughs> while we're all quarantined. Yes. And Leslie and I have talked about giving you guys some extra content because we know you're going to be stuck in your houses. <laughs> and we'll be we'll be stuck in my house. Yes. <laughs> Hopefully we'll be able to give you some little extras um, to keep you entertained in this trying, trying time. Yeah, for sure. Um, are we ready to sign off? Yeah. Okay. So Leslie and I are both strong women, mm-hmm. entrepreneurs. There's that word I hate. We are educated and opinionated. We like to make our own way in the world. So if we had to live up to the standards for women in 1890s Ireland, we would have most definitely been considered changelings and therefore... We would be dead. Thank you for listening to the We Would Be Dead podcast. Hit subscribe now to never miss an episode. Rate and review our show on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Would Be Dead Pod. And join our Facebook group to discuss the podcast and more. Welcome to Leslie's Leprechaun Lesson. Today is your lucky day. Yeah.